Time again on Coast Access Radio for another Age-Friendly Cities and Communities program. Jill Stansfield is here from the Kapiti Older Persons Council. Welcome again, Jill. And it's very great, well, very good to be here, and it's great that we can still get out and about no matter what. Uh, Welcome to winter, too, by the (laughs) way. Here we are in June. I know, I know. That's why I add get out and about no matter what. (laughs) That's a good point, actually. Getting out and about in whatever sort of weather. I know we discussed last time, last fortnight, we talked about being mobile, mobility scooters, and, you know, go in all weathers. Why not? You can you can do that. They are designed, generally, you can go out in the rain in them, can't you? Well, yes and no. technically, they are not supposed to be out in the rain, which oh. I think is, is a bad problem. They should be able to because... You know, um, if you are reliant upon them and you need to be somewhere and it's raining and you can't go because your scooter can't cope with the rain, that's not good. I guess you don't want to park them in the rain if you're getting to a destination and you haven't got somewhere under cover to put it, for example. Yep, that's a very good point. That's the problem. Yeah. So that sort of gets us on to being accessible and accessibility. And I know we've talked about this before from the checklist of essential features and age-friendly cities and communities, you know, that's one part of the checklist, accessibility. It it is, and we need to remember that New Zealand became an affiliate of that program in 2018, and it's fair to say that much of that document is related to accessibility in one form or another, and I'm talking about the document, the checklist of essential features of age-friendly cities and Mm. communities. Mm. And, you know, using it in everyday life, Jill. Yes, yes. And that in turn leads me to think about our homes. Well, I suppose I'd better be honest and say, well, my home in particular. Mm -hmm. Will I be able to manage to live there, say, in five years' time? And that set me thinking about my front entrance. There's a small step. So I guess I'd have to adjust that by purchasing a small ramp to give more level access. Is that, is that something that was thought about? I know you live in a, oh, in a community, yeah. you know, in, in a, I guess, a retirement community, for want of a better term. Yes, that's what it is. Term. Should more thought have gone into that? Yes, I think so. But that village was built in several stages. Right. And I'm, uh, although I haven't done a comparison, I'm hazarding a guess that the um, you know, how will I put it? Some newer parts of the village will have completely level entry. And when I say completely level, I do mean that there'll be a little ramp that will take them up. Yeah, you, you don't, do need to keep water out. That's exactly what I, <laughs> the point. Yeah, I was going to say you don't want it completely level. You do want to go up slightly. And that's, that's understandable. But yeah, it yeah. is. It is. But you're looking at all sorts of things, everything from steps to light switches to door handles. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah, I mean, I look around here and um, I can see that from your point of view, all the switches are within easy reach. But it's something that, you know, as a child, I remember all the light switches and door handles really being up very high. Mm. And I used to, when I was little, I I can remember having to sort of stretch on tiptoes to reach them. How silly is that? As well as that, you've got to think about widths of doors, for example, to handle things like scooters and wheelchairs and so on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And if I think about back in my own home again, there is a change in a small change in height between the floor of my living area into my conservatory. And then there's another one from the conservatory 
to the outdoors. And, oh, dear, when you think about it, changes are needed there too. Mm. And I've talked about door handles and light switches. And, you know, I would love to think that in all homes and buildings being built today that all of the light switches and door handles were down at a level that a person in a wheelchair could access. Mm. Now, that's pretty serious when you think of it. Yep. Plus things like handrails, whether they be in showers or by the toilet or just generally around the home sometimes you might need a handrail. Yep. No, you're absolutely right because the handrails and showers and by the toilets – well, in my case, they are in the right place, and I'm so grateful for that. <laughs> but it all begs the question, are New Zealand homes generally planned to be homes for life? Yeah, and that's a good point because, you know, you talk about the olden days, you just lived in a home, you didn't really care whether it had narrow steps and whatever yeah. nooks and crannies around the place. You know, older people can't live in those sort of places these days, but nowadays... Homes are designed, more or less, for people to live from young age right up to, you know, the more mature, shall we say. Well, we certainly hope that they are. But I I guess in some cases, homes will, well, people will still be living in homes that will have been designed as sort of a a shorter duration home. Mm. And in my sort of, um, how will we say, advancing years wisdom, I'd love to think that it was a matter or became a matter of do it once and do it right. Yeah. And after all, an able-bodied person is unlikely to be put off by a small ramp-like approach to an entry door, mm. but a person with a mobility problem will see that as a huge plus. Yep. And generally, older people have more mobility problems. It's not just confined to mature older people but as a generalization jill i guess yeah i think we do have to generalize there because as we age our um, level of effective mobility is likely to decrease whether we like it or not so this is where you want people to become very familiar with that checklist absolutely and it's very very practical when you really put it in that context But let's go back to ease of access. If you're thinking about your home and if you're thinking about the fact that you might prefer to have a small ramp rather than a step into your building, uh, small children will find that as a big advantage and they'll be able to get around more easily too. And then for an older person, that means that families visiting with their children in tow are going to have an easier time to get in. Ah, that's great. Great idea. Now, not necessarily just in your own private home, but public buildings as well, Jill. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, but then again, you see, we're back to the checklist of essential features of age-friendly cities and communities. And if that was used by all and sundry, and if people everywhere were familiar with it, they'd know what to ask for Mm. and to look for when they're sort of, you know, thinking about giving advice or opinions about public buildings, even their own homes, public as well as private spaces. Yep, yep. we need to be realistic about that. <laughs> I mean, even you, you know, had I can remember you talking about having a, a bad ankle sprain, you know, many, many years Ooh, ago, yeah. even as a teenager. I know. Gosh, that was a shock because suddenly here I had this ankle that was all fat and swollen and goodness knows what, 
And I had no idea until that happened just how hard it would be to get around, even when you're only slightly disabled. Mm. So we're back to the old, age-old problem, really. And we need to experience these disadvantages because before we can truly appreciate them because, what will I say, experience gives understanding. Mm. Now, another document you've referred to in the past is this New Zealand Standards document talking about accessibility and accessible routes. Absolutely. And I want to refer to pieces of our New Zealand Standards document. It's numbered 4121-2001. And I'm a bit sad to say that this document does not seem to apply to private homes. But I guess that if people intending to build are aware of the existence of this document, then relevant aspects could be included in the planning. And I'm thinking here, when I look at when I'm talking, for instance, about an accessible route, an accessible route shall be, and this is talking about buildings and it's talking about accessible routes, as I've already said, and they are required should be provided that connect from the point of arrival on site to rooms and spaces required to be accessible to enable persons with disabilities to visit and carry out normal activities and purposes in the buildings and in the facilities. You know, that's quite telling when you think about it. It is quite telling. And again, you would think that would be an easy sort of solution. You just make... Um, ways wider, you don't have steps, for example, Mm. you think that would be relatively easy and straightforward. You would. But apparently it is stated that there will be solutions where the local topography will not allow an accessible route requirement to be fully provided. Other solutions that provide reasonable and adequate access may be approved provided that the principles of accessibility, and here's the key, are maximised in the alternative designs. <clears throat> there are some very, very small shops and, you know, for example, conveniences, which aren't so convenient, <laughs> some dairies. Gosh, you go into town, for example, and there are some of the most tiniest, if that's the word for it, convenience stores uh, around. There's no way... Uh, more than two able-bodied people would get into some of these shops. Well, put a person on a walker and how the heck would they manage? Exactly. Yeah. Well, if we think about what accessible routes are, they include paths, car parks, ramps, at least one public entrance, corridors, stairs, doorways and lifts within a building. For non-ambulatory people, the accessible route shall not incorporate any step, stairway, turnstile, revolving door, escalator or other impediment that would prevent it from being safely negotiated. And golly, when you think about that, your comment about accessibility in some places, yeah, well, that makes you wonder what on earth went on in the first place when they were designing it. So what's the answer? (laughs) Uh, Public knowledge, in my opinion, because the more people know, the more they know I mean, so I'll restate that. The more people know about what is necessary to give good accessibility, the more likely they are to speak up in favour of trying to make sure that any changes or new builds will in fact incorporate those. Mm. Now, a lot of this, you know, we talk about disabled and, again, not necessarily 
correlating with elderly, but it goes hand in hand in a, in a sense, you know what I'm trying to say, that the maybe the older you get, maybe the more disabled you get, which also brings up another point, what does disabled mean? For sure, yeah, I couldn't agree more. But, um, you, you know, uh, with the passing of time, there are going to be a lot more older persons in our community because of that demographic that we spoke about at the outset. Yeah. And if I go back to me and my life, and especially back to the ease of getting out and about, I'm imagining that what might be called a day in my life, but I'm focusing on mobility in particular. And luckily, I do still drive. But that brings up the issue of parking. Mm. Now, I qualify for a mobility parking permit, but does everyone realise that people using these have had to pay for them? Did you know that? I think I did, to be to be fair, although does everyone have to pay for them? Um, I know some people do have to apply for it who might be on, I don't know, the borderline. Of, mm. of yes, you are assessed before that. you get it. Yeah, yeah. but, you know. But, um, so everyone has to pay for it? Well, as far as I know, they do. I had to. And it has an expiry date, so you've got to get another I'll have to get another one next year and I guess I'll have to pay for that one (laughs) is that fair um well in a way because sometimes people parking in in places nearby may have to use a um a parking meter mightn't they whereas I could be in a total mobility parking that may not I'm just theorizing here I've not seen that in practice that's an interesting point if, for example, you're going to, say, Wellington City or even Levin, where you have to pay for your parking, are there dedicated accessibility parks where you don't have to pay? That's a very good point. Um, mm. I don't know. You know, if you Something to follow up on, isn't it? You're on the main road, you know, say you're going down various areas of Levin, and it might not just necessarily be the main road, you know, some of the other... Side streets may have paid parking. I don't know. But mm. are there dedicated mobility parking areas that are free? Mm. That's a very good point. It's one that, as I said, I think um, I'll sort of snoop a bit next time I'm out and about. <laughs> yeah, same as the city. I don't know. I, I haven't really looked. The, the whole point is, though, you don't need to look, so you haven't taken the trouble to look, if you like to put it that way. True. I'm curious, though. <laughs> yeah, well... Being in the situation that you are when you have to interview someone like me who's talking about things like this, mm. I'm back to the old knowledge is power. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand that. So, you know, accessibility, you know, parking cars and accessible car parks, approaching the accessible main entrance to a building or facility by footpath on an accessible route. We sort of touched on that. Mm. Entering a building or facility at an entrance which has a level threshold. For example, moving freely inside and to use facilities within the building. I mean, there's some very good points in this. There are. And, um, well, I have to admit that when I first found this document, I sort of thought, my goodness gracious me, why doesn't everybody have a copy? And then I thought, well, you know, I'm in a situation where my mobility is compromised, so of course I'm going to be very, very interested in in a document like this. Mm. 
But if I think about mobility parking again, I'd like to take this chance to say a big thank you to Kapiti residents as I've never seen anyone without a mobility parking permit in any mobility parking space. Well, that's good. It now, is good. I've got to say I, I'm the other way. I've been down to the local dairy. For example, Ramadi South has you know several angled parks and is it just one or two at the end? At least one, it's a mobility park. And I have seen people park there very briefly and, you know, stop and get a bottle of milk or something like that and park. You know, they say, oh, I'm only going to be here a minute or two. Well, mm. sorry, that's against the law. It is. And yeah, Mr. Is. or Mrs. Plod would be very interested in that, I'm sure. And you've got to remember that the mobility parking permit is actually tied to the actual holder of the permit and not their car. So if I get into somebody else's car, I need, and this is something I have forgotten on frequent occasions, I need to take my mobility parking permit with me so that the car I am now in can display it when I'm Mm. not in it because it can then park in a mobility parking space. And that's logical. That's that's good. I know. Yeah, I know. Now, the United States, for example, you have, you can have disability plates my cousin for example had disability plates but that was just on his car so what happens if he got into another car yeah good point yeah yeah so where where does your cousin live to have well, disability parking uh, this plates? was arizona oh well <laughs> yeah we say good old america for for putting that because that would be a big asset in new zealand mm. if you've had that as a permanent thing on your number plate yeah but the point is jill like you've just made is if you're in someone else's car <laughs> yeah, yeah i was wondering whether that had come up again yeah yeah, yeah. but um there again you'd need to, to have that as an additional piece of evidence wouldn't you mm. but anyway right let's skip forward a bit because I've been talking far too much. I mean, there's all sorts of things on, on the various checklists and so on we want to discuss, Jill. Yeah, and, and getting out and about, I want to go back to that for a moment, because it does become much easier if the route you intend taking could be called what you might choose to call an accessible route. Mm. And, um, you know, if I look at some of those comments that I've just read out from that New Zealand standards document, I focused on that section because the more people who do have basic knowledge of of that info, the better the chance is for it being in place. And that really is important. Knowledge is power. (laughs) Knowledge is power. Quite right. Quite right. Maybe we'll go back a little bit on the checklist of essential features. We haven't really looked at civic participation and employment, have we? We you know, talk a little bit about statistics, relationship to the New Zealand population, age, structure. We're all getting older and older, Jill. Yeah, we are. The minute you're born, that's one thing we've all got in common. That's right. That's yeah. right. And um, I'm, I also sort of, I'll just skip aside for a moment because I mentioned about the dropped curbs and hand-laid concrete being the thing that caused me problems. And, you know... Um, I, I don't know whether you think about this. When you get repairs to a footpath, sometimes they do have patches of that highly irregular concrete. Yeah. And if you're in a mobility scooter, that's no joke. But how do people who are visually impaired manage? I'd never thought of that. That's a very good point. Um, don't know. Don't know what the answer is to that. They need to smooth things out a wee bit. <laughs> 
somewhere. It's not like you're driving a car. No, um, no. And, and um, uh, here's a bit of a giggle. Um, with one mobility parking space that I had to use, there was a large puddle, right? And it was quite a deep one, right where my car door opened. But I had no <laughs> choice but to get out and to step right into the middle of that puddle. Would you believe it? Oh. Oh. <laughs> Can I ask a stupid question? Won't be stupid, but go for it. How many of us are classified as disabled? Well, it's um, one in four New Zealanders do have something that's classified as a disability. That's a lot. In that one in four, how many are, say, 65 and over? That's a very good point, and I can't answer that, but I would think, um, given the fact that we, in 2018, had seven... 115,200 people who were age 65 plus, that was 15.2% of the population. Mm. Oh, by the way, I've got to add this, 53.4% were women. Uh, (laughs) It means that we still outnumber you blokes. Well, good, I should have better (laughs) luck then, shouldn't I, Jill? Oh, don't get me started. (laughs) But But anyway, yeah. Um, What what does it mean to be disabled? What is, what is the definition? I can't answer that, and I wish I could. But if I think about the New Zealand Standards document, and if you look at what's written about in that accessible routes, for instance, you can think, oh, my goodness, well, that means that even if I have that twisted ankle, I would be classified dis- as disabled, even though, even though I might be on crutches, I'm not really a disabled person. If you wear hearing aids, are you disabled? Good question. I think you are, because you know, put that person into a situation where they want to cross a road and if there's a, a vehicle coming very fast and they don't hear it, that oh, I don't even want to think about it. Mm. Just food for thought, I suppose. It is, but I'm back to the old one of, uh, you know, knowledge is power and the more people know, the better things become. But anyway, to go to your um, piece about civil participation and employment, mm. um, with that, if I think of the first bullet point, a range of flexible options for older volunteers is available with training, recognition, guidance and compensation for personal costs. Well, I can't speak about the compensation for personal costs because I've never been in a situation where that was an option, but I certainly know that there are a good range of flexible options for older volunteers in this district, yeah. given our demographic. And that's... What you want to do, you want to get people out and about, you want you them to participate, and it doesn't matter, I guess sort of the vague point I'm making is it doesn't matter how old or how, quote, disabled you are, people can still participate. Yeah, to a greater or lesser degree, and I think that's got to be recognised. Mm. But if I go to the second bullet point, it sort of does incorporate a little bit about those ideas, qualities of older employees I'm talking about now are well promoted. Um, point of interest, when I go into uh, Mitre 10, yep. I'll deliberately look for the older person who will be acting as a um, a salesperson because I know they have got a lot more life experience. And if I ask daft questions about how do I do such and such, they can probably answer them. <laughs> I was going to use the term floor walker, and that got me thinking about you know the old are you being served like Captain Peacock. Oh. For example, you know, that's the sort of person that a lot of 
older folk want to speak with. Yeah, for sure. Because you not only need advice, you need to know that the person giving the advice is coming from a point of knowledge. Mm. And age often brings experience, which brings knowledge. <laughs> that, you know, fair points. You know, and not for a moment suggesting that a 20-year-old would be any less helpful, but maybe it's more of a comfort. You know, people want to speak with people of their own ilk, their own generation. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Mm. Yeah, well, if I go back to the third bullet point within civic participation and employment, there are a range of flexible and appropriately paid opportunities for older people to work, and these are promoted. Yeah. Well, I'll go, go back to Mitre 10. That's a good example of where you can see that in practice, mm-hmm. I think. Mm. Supermarkets would be another very good place because, again, a lot of older folk obviously have to go to the supermarket and purchase things, mm. and a lot of them don't necessarily want to go to the self-serve uh, checkouts. They want a bit of social interaction with someone, again, of their own ilk. Yeah, no, look, I couldn't agree more with that. Mm, Yeah. mm. But anyway, back to the bullet points. Uh, And discrimination on the basis of age alone is forbidden in the hiring, retention and promotion and training of employees. And, you know, if we go to places around here where we see a good few older people behind the counter, as it were, we can assume that that is in practice, and I'm very, very happy when I see it, to be honest. Mm, mm. And we need to know, another bullet point, workplaces are adapted to meet the needs of disabled pe- people. Yep, yep, understand that. And also, this is an interesting one, are there options for self-employment for older folk? For example, someone in your village might knock on your door. Well, it won't quite work in the village, you know, they might want to say, hey, can I mow your lawns mm. or something like that. Um, always good for older people to do things like deliver newspapers and so-called junk mail. Very true. Yeah, no, the, uh, I'd have to say, though, from what I have observed about one deliverer of the junk mail in um, where I live, uh, they are – not in the older segment of the population, but mm. they're certainly middle-aged. Yeah. For whatever that's worth. But anyway, uh, to go on, um, talking about, as a, again, the civic participation and employment, training in post-retirement options is provided for older workers. Now, I don't know that this happens, but if older workers choose to learn more about something else that they might be able to follow through... I hope to goodness there are opportunities for that, and I should probably inquire about it, really. Mm. And I guess the last bullet point, decision-making bodies in public (laughs) and private and voluntary sectors encouraging and facilitating membership of older people. Now, I say that because, you know, we're not far away from local body elections. I know, yeah. Um, And wouldn't it be interesting to see a lot of 65-pluses standing for councils, community boards, and so on? It would, And I think here we need to perhaps suggest that those who are still working might feel like encouraging some older persons who are retired, whom they know, to perhaps put themselves forward. Mm. There's nothing to stop them. So what are you doing about it later in the year? Oh, goodness gracious me. (laughs) Well, um, I haven't been an elected representative, but 
as you know, I have ha- I was the lead person in getting age friendly into New Zealand, actually, not only just to here. And of course, I was one of the lead people that helped set up the older persons council. So, um, I have done quite a bit in the community. And I would have to say that getting the age friendly stuff operating on a New Zealand wide basis, you know, it wasn't easy to deal. And I'm not being critical here. I'm being realistic. Mm. It's not easy to deal with, um, ooh, what will I say? Uh, departments, government departments is the word yeah. and phrase I'm looking for. All I'm saying is <laughs> Mayor Stansfield has a ring to it. <laughs> Never. Uh, I don't have that ex- life experience or, or the experience in the district. Well, we've run out of time because I've been talking too much and taking you off track a wee bit but always a pleasure to catch up and just discuss and just bring these things out in the open Jill so thank you and, and thank you too because as you are younger than I am it always is good to have that added dimension so thank you well another fortnight we'll do it again thank you Jill Jill we Stanfield will. will be here again with another age friendly cities and communities program every fortnight we do it thanks to the company Older Persons Council and Coast Access Radio This program is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.